You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to I'll Hang Up and Listen, brought to you by Fatty Beer Company. Make sure you get to one of their seven Western New York locations, uh, Buffalo's premier uh, tap room in all of Buffalo, um, and have 300 different beers to choose from. And, of course, they are both kid and dog friendly Make sure you get over there for a Sabres or Bills game. Let them know the guys from Two Goalies, One Mike sent you. And, of course, our associate sponsor, Buffalo Logo uh, Apparel Company. Some of the best Buffalo sports local designs you will find in Western New York. Um, from their Stefan 316 shirt, from their Pinto Ron uh, shirt where he gets covered in the ketchup and mustard. From an overhead view, it's a fantastic design. Uh, you're uh, only one team in uh, New York State shirt, Josh Allen with the wink. And, of course, my favorite, the uh, Buffalo Shield uh, hockey uh, ball cap, which we advertised actually tonight during the game. So make sure you get over there at buffalogo.com or at any of their uh, handles on Instagram, Twitter, Buffalogo Co., and at Fatty Beer Company on Twitter, or now X, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Without further ado, I am joined by my co- my normal co-host, Connor Hurley. Sabres lose 3-2, to two, Hurls, and um, they get a point. Got to be happy about that. You got a point in the standings against a really tough-to-play uh, Carolina hockey team. But there is definitely a lot of things that went wrong tonight for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, I mean, you can't be happy with, with moral victories at this point no. in the season and also yeah. with the talent on this team. But at the same time, you also can't be really mad about it either, given the environment that they were in tonight. Uh, Carolina is obviously a really good team. They're one of the Eastern Conference favorites, and they were undefeated at home uh, 3-0 this season. So to be down twice in that game, to come back both times, to tie it up in the third period against a really, really sound defensive hockey team, even though they haven't necessarily played like it, this season, I think it's something to build on. And it's also, I guess, representative of the Sabres a little bit this entire year. They, they've had all, some good, some bad, but they're still trying to figure it out. So at the end of the day, I think they played a really good team, really tight, and they just got caught gassed in overtime. Uh, this team has played so many good overtime games recently where they've just controlled possession. They haven't let the other team touch the puck. And they started that to begin this overtime session. They won the faceoff, which they didn't do the rest of the game somehow. And they eventually gave it back. But Owen Power, Alex Tuck, and Casey Middlestat weren't able to get a change. And the Hurricanes took advantage because they're a very good team. And, of course, they did. So 
if you can nitpick a few things, that's one of them. But uh, I, I would say largely a pretty good game from this from this team tonight. Yeah, we got Will McWeather here right in the chat right away. Uh, walking out of that game with a point is great. I agree. I think UPL played another fantastic game. Um, I don't think really could put any three goals on him. I mean, a tough deflection off Greenway, the first one. The second one, I thought maybe he was a little too aggressive with his first slide over, but it's, yeah, that was again, a sick play. <laughs> even yeah, even if he wasn't, I mean, that puck's still probably going in. No, I mean, and he um, got he kind of got there too, but it was yeah, it was placed top right by uh, Brad Brady Shea. So yeah, it was really a great shot by Brady. And then uh, the third goal by Nikas. It's you're a scramble. It's three on three. The team is gassed. Um, it, it is what it is. I know Casey saw, out there. I saw I mean, a really good point from Chris Chris Ostrander on on Twitter. I think in overtime when he stopped Slavin, he let the puck go and it went behind the net. At that point, a tiny bit of awareness in terms of potentially covering that puck rather than trying to give it away and guarantee possession. Yeah, I noticed team. that too. I just you, you, that's you get, that's you one thing. Him. Like you, you can't really think of in the moment, but you would have loved for that to happen so that they could have gotten a change there and hopefully gotten the puck back. Um, but you, you can't put that on him in the moment, I think, especially in overtime and the way that game was going. But, yeah, uh, they they got caught, and you can't get caught against a team like that because the Hurricanes were yeah. going to take advantage, and they did. Uh, they, I mean, again, a uh, very well-coached Rod Brindamore hockey team, Rod the Bod. Um, you know, goals tonight coming from Darlene and Tuck. How about that effort by Paterka to get – how about the effort from uh, Paterka to get the puck out to him, but just – Tuck, just his overall forcing that turnover to himself and, um, you know, scoring obviously at an empty net essentially. But since we've uh, had that conversation on this show about uh, Alex Tuck and whether said he has played night and day different and been a whole different player. Yeah. He he's, it's, it's hard to keep saying that he's back, but given the way that he started the first six games of this season and to see where he is now, it's, it's night and day. Uh, I think he realized probably after that Montreal game that he needed to change something about his game to get back to the way he was playing last season. He's so much more aggressive. He's so much faster. He's the guy that we saw and we're so happy about that Jack Eichel trade. And now he's obviously producing at the same time. And he doesn't necessarily even need to score as many goals as he has been the past few games. Just being hard on a stick, being that physical fast presence that we know him to be um, gets the job done for this team on most nights. So yeah. Yeah, it's really encouraging. Paterka didn't even get an assist on that play, which in my opinion is absolutely criminal. But technically, the the Canes got the possession back and Tuck stripped him and was able to get the unassisted goal there. Um, but yeah, to continue the J.J. Paterka love, he's been absolutely incredible. He had a few different plays tonight where, again, he just is the fastest guy on the ice. I, I got to see some of that puck tracking data that the NHL made. Public. I was actually thinking about that during the game too, that new, like that cool new fancy tool that we got. Um, Paterka would be a guy I definitely want to look at in terms One of the fastest people. players in the league without a doubt. Quickest, I guess, like what's the, what's the top speed in the NHL, right? Like sometimes like 22 to 23 miles an hour. I would, I would be interested to see how quickly Paterka is getting like from one to 15 miles an hour. Let's just say one to 15. McDavid's probably faster to be honest than that. Well, but obviously, I, I was, I was reading today, like, any burst over 18 miles an hour is really, really good. Sustained speeds of 20 plus miles per hour is what is considered above average. So it's actually a really, really cool data point to, to look at now. And it's the first time it's been publicly available. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something to look at. But you got to think that 
uh, both Tuck and Paterka are two of the fastest players in the league when they're at their top speed uh, compared to, to other teams and players around the league. Um, so that's nice to have. And it's not necessarily indicative of future success, but I do think it helps. Team speed in general, I think, helps. And I think the Sabres have a lot of it. I think that compared to a lot, especially the Hurricanes who play this like tough bruising style. And you kind of saw that tonight, just clogging up the neutral zone. And the Sabres had to do them do that themselves. I think at one point in the second period, I just it just felt like a slog, like nothing was happening. So um, teams are going to, as we saw early in the year, they're going to try to play that style against this team to slow them down a little bit. And they're going to, I think for the most part, they, they were able to break through a little bit tonight, but they've got to try some new ways to do that. Yeah. And um, again, it's not, it's not, it, when I, it, the Buffalo hasn't beaten, I, I think it was say, you know, Walt actually, you tweeted it out the last time the Sabres beat Carolina in Carolina. Uh, Jeff Skinner was still with Carolina um, and both, I want to say it was Alex Tuck and I forget who the other player and, was. Uh, Tage Thompson. They were Tage both in Thompson. college. We're still playing college hockey. Yeah, UConn and BC. The picture of Alex Tuck at Boston College, he looks so young. Yeah. <laughs> so, so young. Yeah, funny, so, funny and Rick Jenneret was the last uh, Sabres announcer to call a mm-hmm. Sabres win in Carolina. So I guess it underscores how good the Hurricanes have been at home. And, and that's not just – the Sabres have obviously been bad in the past like 10 years, but – the Hurricanes have been primarily really, really good at home against most teams. Um, you wouldn't necessarily think about it as a hockey market, but it seems like they've done a pretty good job there of of endearing that fan base. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily consider them to be knowledgeable hockey fans, but they're better than other markets, that's for sure. Um, and I think it, it obviously helps to have such a endearing and successful team. So mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm at least happy with the Hurricanes' presence in the NHL aside from my personal hatred towards them. Right. Um, from Brian Koziel, UPL says three on three setups for the scramble that you see sometimes in OT are tougher to get off the, uh, and tougher to get off for shift changes with that format. Also from Brian Koziel, Casey Middlestat, that's the nature of three on three. Sometimes I guess that's how it goes as a unit out there. We could have stayed a little tighter, but it's easy to say now it's three on three. It's going to be, chaos at times and I, I agree with that uh jordan greenway i thought it was a hard fought game by us we did a lot of good things but to come away with a point and be in a position for two points after being down twice is pretty positive green also from greenway we limited them which is great i thought we did well enough to win the game from the standpoint offensively we probably could have been a little bit better and then also brian Coziel uh from granado I thought UPL was real good. Shot selection was easier for him to read. What a goal by Darlene. Uh, What an atmosphere in here. And our guys responded really well to it. And there's a bitter taste because our guys know they could have played, could have even played better. Also from Granado says possession is so important in overtime. Says the tuck chance was just inches away, inches from going their way. Says when you're tired in OT, it's challenging to defend. Says they need to be patient. Um, yeah, I mean, possession is everything in overtime, obviously, right? Like, you'd almost – that's why, you know, you see players send the puck back to their goaltender when they need a change just because you just don't want to lose possession because you just might not get it back. Uh, five seconds later, it could be bet in the back of your net. Uh, what I will say, though, and I tweeted it out with about three and a half minutes left of the third period, 
And he's been guilty of this many times. Um, the timeout management from this coach drives me up a fucking wall. I think uh, Don Granado and Sean McDermott are talking too much. They must be because you have three and a half minutes tie game. You have the power play. Have the power play. Offensive zone draw. Take your timeout. Figure it out. Figure out. Draw something up. I know we got Matt Ellis on the bench, and I don't know if that guy ever saw a moment of playoff of, of power play time in his NHL career. But figure something out and get the personnel out there that you want because that could have been the game. As bad as our power play has been, call your timeout. Get your horses in a row. Dot your dot your eyes. Cross your t's. Set set a play up. Let your creative players that you have on this team on that first unit. Mind you, also on the power play twice tonight, you started with your second unit. Mind you, it paid off one time, but I'm not thrilled about starting the power play with your second unit, even if that first. I mean, they were they were they were so much better tonight. Uh, the yeah. the second the second unit was way better than the first, and that's I saying something. I just don't agree with keeping Tage Thompson yeah. off the ice on the power play. Oh yeah, no, I I, I do like, too. Or Dali, um, it makes no sense to me. Quick quick aside, why is there only one timeout in NHL games? But there are like Free five per, five per quarter in the NBA. Like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. Like there should be at least two. I just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I don't give um, the Sabers power play any credit for the completely individual goal individual goal that Rasmus Dahlin scored. He did that entirely himself. Tage essentially just passed it back to him. And he got in the neutral zone. He was just like, "I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this myself." And he yep. flipped it off the boards, got it back, got on a tight angle, and sent an absolutely pinpoint shot over the uh, over the the glove dot uh, of Antti Ranta. Um, it just shows, obviously, how good Dowling can be individually when he really wants to be. And he's shown this season, not necessarily from a goal sc- scoring perspective, but obviously, he's got 12 points in 13 games and. He's just generally been really, really good. But that one power play, maybe it was the the one <laughs> late in the third period. I think the Hurricanes sent it down the ice six or seven times in less than two minutes. It was really, really embarrassing to the point that there's no depth whatsoever. Like all five of the Sabres players are lined up with each other in the neutral zone. Even if they need to chip the puck in, Nobody's going to get it because they're all lined up in the same formation. There's no momentum going into the zone. And the Hurricanes smartly lined up all their guys at the blue line and put their sticks out as Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck and even Owen Power on the second unit tried to stick handle it into the zone to maintain possession. Like, it's just not going to work. They're, they're banging their head against the wall. This is what you got to do in that situation. And, you know, they should know better, too is you come into the zone with speed, you hit the midway point between the red line and the offensive zone blue line, drop that pass back, half ice beer league special down the ice, and you already have that first man headway with speed. If you time it right, he will beat his man to the corner. He will win that that battle of the puck. That's how you beat that. You just play a little dump and chase. I I understand it. Also, soft dumps like flip. Yeah, Darlene's really good at this, but flicking it into the air to make it so that the puck is bouncing, the puck is on edge, and it's harder for the defenseman to recover. 
recovery in, in, in the defensive zone by, by a defenseman is one of the most impactful plays that a defenseman can make. Darlene's unbelievable at puck recovery in his own zone because obviously his hands are so good compared to other defensemen. But if you're able to make it even a smidgen more difficult for their defenseman to retrieve the puck and, as you said, already have somebody going ears pinned back into the corner that you're dumping into, and you can plan that. You can plan which corner you're going to do. You can do cross-size dumps. You can send it to the same side. But if you increase your chances of recovering that puck or even just getting it down low and getting a scrum, that increases your, your chances of setting the power play up. And that's obviously when this team is at its best. And they haven't even had the opportunity to do that because they never have the puck. The penalty kill has the puck more than the Sabres do yeah, on their power they plays. They do. Uh, so it, it's – I mean, th- this could actually sink them to the point where if they don't get this figured out, they relied on it so much last well, season. I know so, so I know I'm really hard on the coaches surrounding Don Granado. But who is running that power play? Yeah, I, I like is it Matt Ellis? If it's Matt Ellis, him and Ken like, Dorsey need to be on the next plane out of Buffalo. Literally, like like you had one of the league's better power plays last season. Like I mean, it, who, who ran it last year? Like what what worked? Like why is this so much worse. Like, it's not even just like a smidgen worse. It's like 75% worse. Yeah. Oh, really bad. Really, really bad. <laughs> they, were, they were, they were top five in the league, basically all of last year. And now they are probably the worst. I just don't know. Like, like, I mean, everyone knows where they're trying to work that puck to. Like, in my opinion, I think you put Tage in the bumper spot for now. Let him get that puck down low below the faceoff dots and his big frame and his ability to stick handle in a phone booth. Give him that opportunity there. You know, I don't know. Maybe put Darlene in that spot. Darlene has a powerful shot. Let him be that guy. You know, I, I don't know what you do you do there. Um, and I'm also sick and tired of when you do have guys in that bumper spot and the puck gets to him, that the far side winger isn't getting directly to the net. It drives me nuts. Like, it's almost like he's waiting for that puck to get. No, man, don't wait for it to come to you. Just go to the net. Get into that dirty area. Like, I'm sick and tired of seeing that. And I don't know if it is going to happen more often or it's happened that often up until this point. But, like, Kyle Oposo on the second power play. like It's got to stop. It's got to stop. I mean, him and, him and even in the lineup at this point, I know a 1,000 games is coming up. He's got three more to get there. I, I think that's at least partially the reason. Is that at he's, home, too? Uh, I think it might be. I, I can't confirm that. Uh, but that might be the reason. I don't know. But it's not good right now. Even in even on one of those power plays in the third period, he just randomly shot it across the zone. It led directly to a turnover uh, to the point that it doesn't seem like he can really keep up anymore. Even like one of his wrist shots. Yeah, today, last like, year, man. He just can't. Yeah. One, one of his wrist shots today was just a – he used to at least have a shot. Uh, he had some zip on the shot last season and the season beforehand, but doesn't even seem like he has that anymore. I love the guy. I think he plays a really important role on this team, but I honestly think it might even be better as a coach at this point, like run the power play guys might listen to you. You know, (laughs) like I just, it's, it's getting to the point as we have with the bills and inflection point about Ken Dorsey's job. And I know he has a very close relationship with Josh Allen and Josh Allen got him hired and he was, is Sean McDermott's pick as well. But same thing with Oposo. Like, I know he's the captain and you're not going to bench your captain, but they've they've dug themselves into a hole here. 
And that's why I was such with, in with favor of full captaincy. Yeah. Like just that I was so in favor of it because then you don't freaking handcuff yourself into a situation where, well, he's playing bad. So we have like, no, you, you, how, it's not a good look to not just have the biggest leader in your team sit, but sit because he's playing bad. Like if it's one thing, if it's a veterans day off once every couple games, but like he needs to just sit for a few games at a time. And like, how do you do that to your captain? What type of, it's a bad look. And like, I know that he's big on the culture. He's a big voice, but like, if you're Kyle, you're like, fuck man. Like I'm hurting us. Yeah. And you're going to have Matthew, dude, Matthew Savoy. And we have a couple of comments in the peanut gallery on this. You have a guy who's ready and hungry, like Matthew Savoy, who wants to try and have an opportunity to crack this lineup. Who are you taking out after Olofsson? I mean, at, at this point, if, if you don't replace Oposo and Olofsson with Savoy and Kulik, it's a very bad roster management decision that could cost this team the playoffs. It, it, it really could. Agreed. And if you're, if you're afraid of hurting feelings <laughs> 12, years into a, 12 years into a playoff drought, like, I'm sorry, that's just – that's not it. That's not going to work at this, at this juncture for this franchise. So there it's, it is, I, I will be surprised if they don't at least sit him down for a couple of games after he reaches a thousand. I, I really do think that they're going to do that. At least from like a mode management perspective, as you said, like let him get some rest. Like his, he's older, his body needs more time to recover than some of these younger in guys. Age. I think he's yeah. my age. He's an older NHL player and he's played in the league for 12 plus years. Like, it takes a wear and tear on your body and everything he's gone through mentally, physically with the concussions and everything else. Like it takes a toll and we all see it. So uh, I think they're going to have to figure something out. Paramount pictures, not terrible, not great. Darling goal, pure skill. I know you love it, Connor. Um, I, you know, I, I was watching his uh, mixtape. <laughs> I call it a mixtape from when he was in junior hockey, when he was like 16, 17 years old the other day. That goal like looked like what he did back in those days. Just like yep. going around people, making people look stupid. If he can continue to do that in, in more of a purely goal scoring production type sense, like that is gonna elevate him even more so than he we already think he's right now. He's got 12 points in 13 games. Yeah, he's right there, right up there with Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is having a great season too. Yeah. So I mean, we already know that he's a Norris trophy candidate. But if he can continue to do stuff like that and take the opportunities even once or twice a game to make an individual play like that, that is going to put him into another echelon. Yep. Uh, does Savoy play Saturday? Or sorry, Friday. sorry, Friday. I think I think he does. He should. I know. I know they plan on using him for at least some of these nine games that they have to evaluate. Um, I honestly milk this as long as you can throughout the season. How many? What like probably Benson probably has what four or five games in. Yeah, I th- Benson's, I think, only played four. Uh, so he has so five left. Four or five, I mean, yeah. I, I need I need to see them two on a line together. Yeah. I need to see that. It's a lot uh, of inexperience, but at the same time, I think given their chemistry and how much they've played together, that, I mean, put the three Winnipeg kids together. Put Krebs with Benson and, uh, and Tavoy. Like, why not, could, right? That could solve the Krebs. That could solve the Krebs problem. And Krebs had such a good opportunity tonight. Antti Ranta was actually really good. Yeah, Ranta uh, played fantastic. Out, I, I, I said it. Shout out that play he made in the third period. Uh, shades of Dominic Hasek. Yeah. Bolting out of his net. 
poke check, and not even just the poke check. He got, I think Middlestat had another opportunity and he dove back with a stick and got that one too. It's a game, mm-hmm. game saving play. And it's, it's all or nothing at that point, right? Like you can't hesitate. I've hesitated so many times on that play and it's gone directly in my net. So I know how difficult that is, but that was an unbelievable sequence of saves. Yeah. I, uh, I thought about that too. Uh, you know, when Hatchick used to, but he yeah, used to take the guy out with him. Yeah, remember the Marion Gabrick? He yeah. was with Detroit. Yeah, you forget that. Yeah, Gabrick I know. He, he took his football. legs out from under him. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was great. Yeah. Not great for Gabrick, but uh, and so many other times we've seen him do it here on Buffalo. Uh, just he was it was it was a spectacle to say the least when when, when Dom Hatch was in that from the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I uh, Annie Rana definitely. I wouldn't say he stole them a game tonight, but he played he definitely well, had some well enough for them to win. Huh? He played well enough for them to win. Exactly. Um, UPL almost stole another game for them for sure, though. I, I thought I don't, I don't necessarily think they got outplayed. I thought it was relatively even from a chance perspective, and I think the the Sabers had more high danger chances, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, we could we could look that up, but it just seemed like they had a lot of really good opportunities in tight that Ranta uh, obviously was was pretty good on. Um, but real quick, uh, Ryan Johnson has to stay in the lineup. Yeah. He... Uh, I, I do want I, I meant to tweet it out uh I meant to tweet it out uh in the first period, but he had a really heads up smart play that we're not seeing a lot from defensemen. And it was just simple, it was real simple. He had the puck just in front of the blue line. Um couple guys, but he's I forget who it was, but he saw a man driving to the net and he just sent a little bit of a saucer shot slash pass. It was meant to be for a rebound, and it was almost there. But you can tell that's what he was attempting to do. That wasn't a shot to score. That was a shot for a rebound because he knew he had a man driving in the net. I was like, you know what, man? That's what we need more of in this lineup from these defensemen. Like, that's he's the kind got, of stuff that's gonna that's gonna help you score goals. Shooting. He's got a lot out. of hockey sense. Like you can tell yes. that he he's got a forward's mind in a defenseman's role. He really does. And pairing him with Darlene was just like unbelievable to watch. I think his second shift, he had three or four shots on net in the first period. Like he is a high upside offensive guy. And it seems like he's got the skating ability to at least compete defensively. He's not the biggest guy, obviously, and he's not going to throw his body around, but I think he can get to that point. Like Connor Clifton's not the biggest guy and he's one of the highest volume hitters on the team. What if if this is that guy? He's a right-handed shot defenseman, I too believe, right? Who? Ryan Johnson, or is he left? No, he's he's left. Left. But, like, what if this is this finally a situation where you have him play with Darlene going forward and you drop Samuelson when he is back in the lineup with power? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... He, that you finally yeah. figured it out, right? At least Any type time. of depth gives you that luxury. Uh, they sat Bryson tonight, right, I guess? Yeah, instead of Yoki yeah. Haru, who... I mean, at this point, Yoki Haru, if you don't met, if you don't notice him, that's a positive for him at this point. But that yeah. shouldn't be the standard, right? Um, no. So, yeah, I don't know. I just – I really – for his second NHL game, like, gosh, I really loved what he put out there tonight. Obviously, playing with Rasmus Dahlin, I think, makes you look a little bit better. But even just, like, his he, puck he, touches. He kept up. Yeah, he absolutely he, did. He didn't, he didn't fall behind the play, you know – no hor- horrible mismanagement in, in his own zone either. Yeah, he controlled his gaps really well. Like he didn't allow himself to get baited. 
Um, no, he's got to look good. I thought he looked really good. And he, he's definitely deserved a third game or yeah, earned himself yeah. at least the I third mean, game. You, you, uh, you play him until the wheels fall off. Like it, exactly. it, I, I honestly, I think at this point you need so much higher upside from your defensive unit that if you found something in a guy like that, who we waited forever to sign, or maybe not even waited, we were un- unable to sign him for a long time. And you finally did. And he's ready for the moment. You keep him there. I agree. Um, and that, like I said, last show too, he <laughs> might like Yoki Haru will become expendable. Yeah. I mean, I still think they need another guy in there. I, Brett Pesci's hurt right now. He didn't play tonight for the hurricanes, but you bring another shutdown guy in there and that makes Ryan Johnson and Rasmus Dallin even more dangerous with their, with their upside offensively. So I personally believe they need one more guy to like really make sure that this defense is ready for a run, but beggars, beggars can't be choosers. You'll, you, you can roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right Yoki Haru is on the outside looking in and that's your depth. It's not bad depth to have. No, for sure. But if yeah. your uh, if your options for your sixth guy are well, I guess when Samuelson comes back, uh, that would potentially knock Yoki Haru out. So yeah, probably yeah. Bryce back to Rochester. Yeah. So hopefully he's not on a one way deal, right? I think he he could probably just you wouldn't have to put him through. I'm not sure if you have to put him through waivers no. to get him to Rochester. I'm not sure hopefully that's that. sooner rather than later because those six would be really really good. Also, Clifton has been much better when he's played with yes. power this power this season. So even Samuel Sinden Johnson, like that's fine too. Like any combination. Of I don't think there's any way you have Samuelson on your bottom pairing. That's well, just... I, I, I don't necessarily even like it, it. Does it shouldn't be your bottom pairing if it's an even yeah, I guess. unit? You know what I mean? Like look at what the Bruins are doing or what they did last season. Like if you've got three pairings that are all really good, that's better for your team. Three pairings that you can Yeah, but who do you want on the ice more often than not? Owen Power or Eric Johnson? I mean, obviously obviously Owen Power, but I'm just saying to get more out of your lineup, I think Clifton and Johnson are really good together defensively, but there's no offensive upside whatsoever. So Yeah, then then there's your shutdown pair. Yeah, I I guess. I I just think like – Give them out there in a a big defensive zone drop uh, situation, you know. It's not know. a bad problem to have. I just no, it's in, not. in term in terms of like being able to put different guys in, in different situations. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I uh, I'm only encouraged by by what I saw from Ryan Johnson tonight. And I would say tonight, in terms, of, in terms of guys, I didn't notice enough of. I'd say this is the first time in all probably in all season where I've said like you know I haven't seen Tage do a ton tonight. Um, he only had uh, only had two shots. I took him to get three shots as a bet again, and I'm gonna bang my head against this desk. Um, yeah, he didn't have too many opportunities. Uh, I think yeah. teams do focus on him a lot, and I think that's an opportunity for him to it's be a little bit the opponent, too. It's the opponent, too. That's a yeah. shutdown team defensively. Sure. They're going to put their best, you know, their best shutdown line against that line. And it's like, find me a line in the NHL that has had a ton of success against Carolina, a top well, line. Like they've actually – They've actually let in the most goals in the Eastern Conference this year, surprisingly. Uh, but they, I would say, they largely are a really good defensive team. Yeah, like especially just, especially at home, they've had some lopsided well, games. Francis played five games now this season, and he has an over three goals again. So I'm assuming that you know they've had some tough yeah. games on the road, but at home they're they're incredible. So yeah, this is this is why getting out of there with a point, you cannot be upset. You cannot even be a little bit upset. Definitely surprising that for you to tell me that they that they have 
given up the most goals. Yeah, and it's it's honestly been because they've been really bad on the road. So yeah, and then that that is what it is. Sometimes Uh, I was shocked when I was looking at that this morning. Uh, But yeah, they just have had a pretty brutal start to the season, and obviously. Tough news with with Freddie Anderson. Obviously, he's got a a blood clot situation that he's got to get figured out, and we uh, we wish the best to him. Obviously, you never really know. And goalies the past few years, man, like just some I want to call them weird, but just like injuries. And again, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. um, uh, I'm just looking for the word. Um, I don't want to be. Um, in a, I want to say inappropriate, but I want, I, I, I respect the situation like Carrie Price and Spencer Knight. And now you hear this with Freddie Anderson, you know, like these things, these, these, you know, these issues that they're having, just like a weird time for goaltenders in that respect, man. Like, yeah. Although this one seems a little bit, a little bit different than Carrie Price and Spencer Knight. Like those were. I think strictly like emotional and mental. Well, no, no, I'm not, I'm not comparing their, their yeah. ailments, but I'm just saying like, it's just been a weird time for, for, for situations with goalies at least the past couple of years. But sure. Yeah. And got to take care of your body. Got to take care another thing too. Uh, who was it that uh, had a, had a wonky injury? Um, I can't remember his name, but um, just again, just a weird, weird, like maybe past couple seasons for goaltenders and, I know Spencer Knight is back playing. I know he's still with um, Florida's AHL team, correct? Uh, I think so, yeah. Last, yeah. I, last I heard. I don't know how well he's doing, but it's good to see that he's back playing again. And then same thing. I don't, I'm not sure the situation with Carey Price. And um, I know I saw a recent picture of him, a family photo of him at Halloween with his family. But, uh, <clears throat> again, just hope, hope that they're doing well. But – to but with Freddie Anderson, the blood clot thing, I'm like, that sucks. Yeah, it's really, really brutal. Um, one more point I w- wanted to make was I think Casey Millsat continues to prove that he's been so much better all around, obviously, way stronger on the puck. Uh, I want to see what his workout regimen was this summer because he looks like a different player, obviously, towards the end of last season. When they put him on the top line, he started to produce a little bit more. Mm-hmm. One thing I want from him, and we discussed it a little bit last time we talked, but he needs to shoot. He needs yeah. to shoot more. Uh, he had that one spinorama play in the third period where he made this unbelievable move in front of the net. And to his credit, Antiranta came out and challenged him and did the best he could in that situation. But instead of shooting, Casey tried to go around him, and then he still almost set, set up Jordan Greenway in front. But looking back at that video, as soon as he made that incredibly skillful play in front of the net with the spinorama, that is the best time to shoot the puck. Because even if it gets saved, there's a rebound, there's got there's three guys in front of the net, there could be a deflection, could go off somebody. He needs to give the team more opportunities based upon these unbelievably skillful plays that only he is making right now. Obviously, Tage Thompson does as well. But Casey is putting himself in such good positions, but I think he only has – 18 or 19 shots through 13 games. That is not enough for a player of his caliber. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I, uh, Casey, I think that Kevin needs to get that guy signed sooner rather than later, because if you let him to continue to produce the clip, he is, that's going to become a lot more of an expensive hockey player. hundred percent. Sure. I, I, if they can get him at five and a half for five, yeah, or or I I would I said last time like I think six would be good too. I, I don't think anybody would be upset with that. Uh, 
he's got he's a point per game over his last 40 games and he's mm-hmm. still really young and that's as good of an indicator or sample size as any so I don't know if they would do it midseason. I, I'm not sure if they've done that in the past. Uh, maybe they did with Cousins last year. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's getting to the point, like you said. Like, it's going to become – it potentially could get into that $6.5, 7000000 million range. So, um, yeah, I think that it would be prudent to, to get that done as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and the, th- the thing with him, too, is, like, Buffalo has been really patient with him. Um you know, they signed him earlier, you know, and is, you know, probably should have stayed at Minnesota for one more year. I don't say probably he should have, um, <clears throat> should have spent some time in the AHL. Um, but Buffalo has been very patient with him. The fans have begrudgingly been patient with him and it's finally, no, not, not, not all of the fans. <laughs> no, no, no. I no. think a lot of people. Gave up on well, well, that's why I said begrudgingly. Yeah, they've been patient with him. They've been for- essentially forced to be patient with him. It's, it's been really fun to see like everybody come around, and of course, yeah. there, there there are some bandwagon Casey Casey Middlestat fans here and there. There's some casual. I was one of the just... toughest guys on him, man. Last I mean, you, you had to be because like he didn't he didn't have it for a long time, right? Like he was he was so so weak on the puck. He was getting pushed around that. Every two games, that picture of him at the combine where he couldn't do the pull-up came up yeah. because he was so weak. And now his skating, his physical play on the boards, protecting the puck, everything is improved. And he's and he but still has the skill and the playmaking ability. The, that was the made him a top ten pick. It wasn't for a lack of ability. It wasn't for a lack of skill. It wasn't it was a lack number of number eight shot. overall pick. Like like the kid had all the tools, even his IQ. Like he was a smart player. His issue was size and inability to be strong on pucks, constantly getting knocked off pucks, losing physical battles. That is where he failed so often. And for the longest time, I understand it's hard to put mass on. It's even harder to take it off. Ask me at 36 years old, I've been trying to lose 10 pounds for freaking six months. Not happening. Love pizza way too much. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like for, th- I would say three off season, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, Dude, this kid looks like he still weighs 190 pounds soaking wet. You're a professional no. hockey player. Like you're you're, you're almost you're, you're almost borderline veteran guy on this team at this point. Like you've been here long enough. People look up to you when they come into the organization. Why on earth are you not putting on the proper size? Much like the way Darlene did after his rookie year. We all remember that friggin' picture of him in I don't know whose backyard he was in. But he was in a pair of board sh- like a short board shorts playing ping pong. Guy looked like Ivan Drago. Yeah, I'm I'm at the point where I want to see a few pictures of Casey Middlestat without his equipment on. That's how yeah. that's that's how excited I'm getting about Casey Middlestat. I, I, uh, he's, he's definitely put on the the girth and the size like he has. <laughs> the, yeah, he's he's put on the girth. Boy, sure. is he stockier? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe not, maybe an inappropriate <laughs> word. Okay. <Absolutely. laughs> As I'm talking about, I want to see pictures of him without his equipment on and, and his shirt on. <laughs> this is, Let's clip that one out. Let's clip uh, that one out for but the fact that we're even having this conversation. We want to know. We want to know what Casey Bill says. Girth. I we're having this conversation. Where are you? Casey where are you analytics? Really where are you analytics? We need the girth. <laughs> I'm getting excited about Casey Middlestat. All right. And like, and it's Brady. not just, and it's not just because <laughs> he's become one of the more productive forwards in the, in the NHL. So Brady. 
Yeah. Pearl's just, pot. just shoot the puck Pearl's more. We're, we're, we're shooting our shot. You should shoot your shot. How about that? I shoot my shot? No, no. We're shooting our shot at Casey Middlestat. He should shoot his shot at the net. A oh, bit more. okay. Yeah. I thought that, was, I thought that took a while your, to get there. I thought that was you, your way of asking Casey, you know, because you want him to show his career. I mean, I, I mean <laughs> – Post, post a couple thirst traps. I think we'd all love to see that. And it would be a really good uh, meme fodder for the rest of the season. So, um, no, uh, long story short, uh, he's amazing. He just needs to shoot the puck he's a little bit fantastic more. fantastic guy. And I can't agree with you more. He is a guy who needs to shoot the puck. Um, he has a fantastic shot. He's great hands. Um, I, I, I forget who it was against. But he was coming down wide on the blocker side, and he went top uh, top corner, short side. Had very little space to work with, but like precision shooting, um, almost like watching Ray Bork in the skills competition. How good he used to be at that! Just literally, just space of a puck slipped it right in. Um, I, I agree, hundred percent. That guy needs to shoot the puck way more often than he doesn't. It's great to be a playmaker. It's great to you know, try and distribute the puck and, you know, spread things out. But when you have a shot like him, um, there's no reason he shouldn't be taking it. So whatever Granado said to Tage uh, before his breakout year, needs to say it to Casey. For sure. Uh, and I think this team is going to get some guys back soon. I, I, I don't know about, about Dylan Cousins. Uh, I think that's probably a concussion suffered at the end of that Flowers game last Friday. But it seems like he's day-to-day. It seems like Samuelson's day-to-day. You get those two guys back, hopefully eventually replace Olsen and Oposo with Kulik and Savoy. And then you got yourself a hockey team here, right? Like eventually Comrie's going to come back too. And as, as much as we yelled about having a three goalie rotation, I think it can't hurt with these, with these young guys in there. I think giving I think them some rest. If, I think if UPL is still playing well when Comrie's back, um, that's a trade. Yeah. I, one of them, well, I get probably Comrie. Yeah. But like, what are you going to get for Eric Comrie, right? Like, I at this point, like, I guess. I, was, I mean, uh, the, well, I, the Oilers. Well, that's what I was saying. We saw the Oilers wave Jack Campbell. The Oilers, uh, and he's from he's from up there. Yeah. Well, here's well, here's the thing too. Like, shout out to our our other co-host Johnny Cullen. Um, back I forget who it was that did the article, but it was about Jack Campbell during his time in Toronto about like how nice of a person he is. Like it's a thing with him. Like he's very super good guy, super good guy. And I remember Johnny, I'm not quoting him directly, but he goes, he like people, they would say this like, I, I, how could some one person be this nice? It was like, it was, it was almost like they didn't believe that he was, he was so nice. It was almost like they thought it was fake, but like he was just genuinely that nice of a guy and that could have been all the time. And I always said, I always thought with, with Jack, it was a situation with him. It was, he gets in his own head. We talked about that with UPL. You've seen it as post games when he was with Toronto, like he gets emotional. Like that's a goalie that has the physical ability. It's just up here with him, not being able to string things together. Um, I hope the best for him. Cause I know he just signed that big deal. Uh, I highly doubt anybody's going to pick him up off waivers with that contract. But um, that is a team that, Depending on, um, I, I, you know, on what you know, I would I would even venture to guess because they're having issues with scoring too, 
that's a team maybe you could package a goaltender with Olsson with just as sweet as a sweetener and try and get either a pick or a player back, a player that could help your bottom six. Eric Comrie, born 1995 in Edmonton, Canada. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be happy to go home. You know, I mean, mean, that's a lot of pressure, but he seems like also I've heard this about Eric Comrie that he's just the nicest dude in the world. And yeah, well, you've seen seen in the locker room, like kind of a quirky guy, like a a bit of a weirder goalie, but he seems like a guy that could potentially handle that. He's not going to be the number one guy. I think Stuart Skinner is probably going to get the majority of those games, but you bring Eric Comrie in to be your backup. They've got a couple options there. I think Olivier Rodrigue and they're bringing up Calvin Pickard right now. But Eric Comrie definitely seems like a better option than both of those guys. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, I mean, he's got to get healthy again and show, and show that he can recover from injury like he didn't necessarily do last season. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, like you said, feel comfortable with the combination of Levi and UPL moving forward. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Comrie. But we got to uh, figure out something to do with Olsen, man. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, he's not – like his, you can't his, justifiably keep that guy in the lineup anymore. He his, can't. His highest value was this past February. And yeah, if, if they, if I they didn't try to trade him then, that is a gross miscalculation. Like literally, I, I, I tweeted this out. It was a reply to one of my own tweets. I forget who I was discussing with, but like um primetime Meeks or whoever it is. Shout out to him. We were discussing it back and forth. I, I said that. His value was at its highest probably four months into the season last year. That's when it was peaking. And I'd be very interested to know what was on the table at the deadline for Victor Olofsson because it, was, it wasn't it was good enough for Kevin Adams to say yes for a guy that you were healthy scratching in the most important stretch of the season last year. But um, with, like, with that being said, like, that is dramatically whatever was on the table then has dramatically dropped off now. Yeah. Dramatically. That's the thing. Like they might have to waive him at this point. So like and why I that's why I even said, like, what does Edmonton have to offer in their lineup? Say even like a cap dump. Like, you know, I I, I even threw in the idea, not that I want it, but like, what if Edmonton was willing to retain half of Jack Campbell's salary? Would you bring that guy into the fold even to be in the AHL? Jack Campbell? Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, do, do we really need to bring him into the fold? Like, no, if you're, no, if you're, no. Yeah. Not to be in the rotation. Oh, but, like, yeah. to sweeten that deal for them, you send them Olofsson along along with a, as a sweetener on our end, along with, say, Comrie, give you a better option in yeah, that. Sure. The guy like, that you're I, having the AHL anyway, and maybe you get something better back in return. Yeah, you can afford you can afford two and a half million on your cap for the next few years. You can. Yeah, and and if you do package that, I I do think you could probably get a player back, maybe even a a bottom six guy, Um, bottom six guy, maybe a a third a third D pairing, maybe a a good prospect or something along those lines. They're Um, not a good situation when it comes to the cap, and any 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 money coming off that cap right now helps them for sure. So, yeah, I hope I hope they do something, but it doesn't seem like in-season trades, let alone off-season trades, are really easy to do in today's NHL. So I'm not necessarily confident that that type of thing is going to happen, but it's fun to talk about at least. It is. It is. Um. So their next game is Friday, and who do they have? At home against the Minnesota Wild. 
When's the next Skillhead game? I do not know off the top of my head. But we got a giveaway plan for the next Skillhead game. Sweet. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's obviously that's a lot of time between now and then, almost three full days to get yourself back to healthy, whether that's Dylan Cousins, Matias Samuelson, um, any bumps and bruises along the way from tonight. Like it's a nice, you know, mini bye week in terms of hockey, in terms of hockey to get yourself healthy. Yeah. You know, two days off. I mean, they had, they had three games and four nights last week. So I think it's kind of factoring in, factoring in that into the equation. And I think the NHL generally does a good, good job of thinking about those types of situations. So yeah, this couldn't come at a better time. I think Levi will obviously get the start on Friday night and in, in no way related to the way UPL played tonight. But I think we all thought that Levi potentially could have gotten the start tonight. And it seems like they're going to go with that back and forth rotation between the two of them, as long as they're both playing relatively well. So I'm cool with that. I, I think everybody will be as long as they're both fresh and they feel good and confident and mentally ready. Uh, yeah, Levi at home against a relatively mid Minnesota Wild team. Uh, they have been great, but they're always like this. And they're a tough team too. They've got some big guys. They play a, a tough, hard for checking style, and they've got some skill as well. So uh, How about that yeah. save the other night from freaking Flurry? Oh, my God. The stretch pad save? How does that he do that? At, is he 37 now? <laughs> so old. Not so old. He's the same age as me, but like. It's insane yeah, yeah, what he's that? able to do still. We got to start doing that, man. We got to start like kind of like putting together, like maybe put it out every Monday, our compilation of saves from the previous week. Either maybe me or you can narrate it. That'd be a good idea. I think people would appreciate that. That would be the top of the list, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, Levi's sure. glove save from. uh Yep. 100%. The other night, that would be on. That would be on it. We put Ranta on there from tonight as well. That, um, that's, yeah, that save by Ranta was incredible. Two saves, uh, but yeah, no, Flurry is amazing. I would love for him to play that game, regardless of whether we're playing against him. I just love watching him play. Uh, it's probably going to be Gustafson if I had to guess, but it depends on their schedule. But yeah, another, another really winnable game, and hopefully it's a good crowd. Probably not. Kirill the thrill uh, coming into our barn. So. Uh, a couple of last comments here from the peanut gallery uh, from your, our, but he's been absent for a few shows. Mauricio Thompson is struggling, scoring needs to manage pucks better on the offensive zone shoots blindly. Um, I don't know if I noticed, I didn't really notice him at all tonight. Yeah, but only had two shots. So. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe shots that he was taking attempts were just going wide. Maybe that referring a to a lot him. of, um, he had a lot of block shots and, and miss shots. That's that maybe, yeah. So. I'm assuming that must be what he's talking about. Shooting in the shin pads. And then another comment, Akposo Gergensen's look old and tired. Well, yeah. Preach, preach Mauricio. Preach. Trust me. We're all, Not, we're all in agreement there, bud. We're all in agreement at this, there. At this point, like Gergensen's is just, is what he is. I think he's a plus on the defensive side and he's nothing on the offensive side. So he's going to stay, and that's fine for now. But, yeah, Oposo is over the hill, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, just want to give a shout-out to our sponsors again. We'll start off with Buffalo Logo. I know I uh, tweeted it out earlier, but they do have some hockey apparel. I know yeah, they're – got to get one of these hats. Yeah, I know they're mostly known for their Bills merch, but check out this hat. Get yours now. Approved by the king – of the Karuba collision himself, Patty Coletta. There's a great picture of him and his son sporting the Buffalo Shield hockey ball cap. 
The truck, uh, trucker hat, even better. Hat. I'm not sure if it's a snapback or not. It's got to be. I, I, I'm a big snapback guy myself. Yeah, it's got to be. One now. That hat is so sick. It's so nice. It's so if we, nice. If we could get a couple for the pod, I would love that. Yeah. Hopefully Eric can uh, hook us up. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm assuming this will probably be part of giveaway uh, a giveaway at some point. But definitely get to buffalogo.com or look at their uh, Instagram page, Twitter page, at Buffalogo co that's at b-u-f-f-a-l-o-g-o-c-o uh on twitter and instagram um and i have been told little birdie told me that those will be out in goat head colors soon which would be absolutely incredible even say i i sign me up for that hat immediately i need i need both of, i need both of them as soon as possible so just put that yes. on my tap exactly and then of course our premier sponsor who helps us bring you this show every single post game? Fatty Beer Company, Buster York's premier market and tap room, over uh, seven Western New York locations and over 300 beers to choose from. They're open daily, seven days a week, 11:30 a.m. to 10:30 p.m. and after live music and events. Often, I know they just had Tim Britt in house at another one of the locations. I believe the downtown location. He was at the Lancaster location on uh, for Halloween. Uh, and follow them on all their socials at Fatty Beer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, my favorite part about them is that they are kid and dog friendly. Bring your dog and whoever's riding behind the pine, hook them up with a treat, and tell them the boys from Two Goalies One Mike sent you. They will always take care of you and uh, unbelievable staff at all their locations. Um, I mostly visit the Lancaster location for Bills and Sabres games. My best friend, Brett Greg Day, behind the pine there, always taking care of me. So. One last comment here. Did anyone see Yoki gift wrap and then deliver that puck over to the Canes on that second goal? Multiple chances to clear it out and sends a fluffer up the boards to absolutely nobody but the other team. Yeah, uh, we did talk about that earlier. Uh, Yoki Haru uh, does Yoki Haru things. And that's why I think that he'll be, if Ryan Johnson continues to perform like this, um, he'll be on the outside looking in. Because you're not gonna you're not gonna bench Eric Johnson, that's for sure. Um, and he'd be the only one left sitting. And Bryson probably sent back to Rochester. Yeah, I uh, I think everybody will be in agreement that once Samuelson is back, that our sixth defenseman will be Darlene, Ryan Johnson, Matias Samuelson, Ellen Power, Connor Clifton, and Eric Johnson as long as they're all healthy. So that's a good thing moving forward. And yeah, it is what it is for Yoki Haru. I think he largely looks overmatched almost every night he's out there. So yeah, something something's got to give. That's a guy that we had like a, kind of like an under the radar. I know when we had Matthew Fairburn on, we talked about him quite a bit. Kind of hoping that you know last week, last year was more of a fluke with the injuries that he had because he had quite a few of them. But he's had out of how many or twelve games in now? Thirteen. Thirteen. 13 games and now I would say out of those 13 he's looked good in five of them and that's not good enough that's not good enough to be a consistent player in the NHL uh, defenseman in the NHL you have to be better than that so Ryan Johnson should be elevating Yoki Hari should be elevating his game because of Ryan Johnson right now like that should make you frightened and you always find out what you need to know about a player because when internal competition comes around because um, like with goalies, um, when your back is up against the wall, you find out who you really are and what type of, uh, what type of a hockey player you are. So we'll see what happens. 
But uh, any final thoughts from you, Hurls, before we get out of here? Other than I think it was generally a pretty good game. And aside from the Flyers game this past Friday, I think almost every single game since the Flames or the Canadians game when they lost at home, I think the Sabres have really started to find an identity. I think obviously the biggest concern is the power play, but I'm at least like a tiny bit hopeful that they're going to figure it out. Not necessarily from a scheme standpoint, but I just think the talent is eventually going to take over and the players maybe have a players only meeting and scheme it up themselves because clearly no one on the coaching staff is doing anything to change it. Uh, And they're, they're banging their heads against the wall. It's the definition of insanity every single time they're on the power play. Oh, I have one more bone to bone to pick. Uh, The Sabres broadcast. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when it's on MSG, I mean, face-offs in general are a problem, especially to begin power plays. They're not winning draws on face-offs to begin power plays, and that just starts you on a bad note to begin with. Mm-hmm. If you win the draw in the offensive zone on a power play, you have the ability to set it up and keep it in the zone the entire time. Very often, the Sabres broadcast cuts away to the draw after we've already lost it. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it happened like six or seven times today, and I eventually started to like really, really keep track. And then it happened again, and I screamed. I screamed at the TV. Uh, I'm not, they're cutting away. It's, they're, so they're they're focusing on like the player in the block in the box, or there's a shot of like Granado on the bench, or oh, and that after they lost the draw, and then they, they cut to the play after the draw's already been lost. So they're not staying focused on the on the on the exactly. Field. And eventually later in the game, for the more important draws, they figured that it out. is very annoying. That but is, it happens annoying. so often to the point where it's a very easy fix as the director of the broadcast to switch to that camera two seconds before the face-off. Like, yes. It is so easy. And I'm not blaming the Sabres broadcast crew for the Sabres losing offensive zone draws on the power play, but it just makes it that much uh, more annoying as, as they're starting each power play that it quickly goes to the other end on an icing almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So I hope someone from the Sabres broadcast crew sees this and changes them for next game. I agree. That's my that's my final thought. Oh, well, it's a great final thought. My final thought. Let's get to Friday. Um, Bills lost a. The Bills never never heard of them. Yeah. Um, I. Uh... There there don't need to be words. There don't need to be words. Yeah. This is this isn't a Bills podcast. Wait, let's just not. Uh, honestly, don't even talk about it. I don't want to talk, talk about, about it. it. No, I don't want to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. Okay, we won't talk about it. But they play again on Sunday. Is it Sunday? No, no, Monday, 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 Monday. Monday. Night football against the Niners, correct? Nope. The no, Browns. Denver, Denver. Sorry, Denver. I don't want to say that. So um, if we're playing the Niners, they call it a season. <laughs> we're not winning that game the way they're playing right now. But um, yeah, a long way till Monday. But I'm pretty sure we'll have two two Sabres games in between. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming they probably play on Saturday, Saturday against the Penguins as well on the road. <laughs> They play Friday against Minnesota, and then one Sunday. Saturday against the Penguins on the road. Saturday against Penguins. So Penguins are are struggling too. So that could be a that, that could be a nice matchup for Buffalo. Um, so two opportunities here to uh, take four points. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the week. What's to come for the weekend? A few days off here. Um, and uh, that's about it. That's uh, that's all I got for you guys. So that being said, um. This has been another edition of I'll Hang Up and Listen. Brought to you by Fatty Beer Company and Buffalo Apparel Company. 
Um, just make sure that uh, you check them out both out. And of course, as always, go Sabres. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. 
It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. Mm-hmm.